This woman is trying to manipulate this process. I will not be manipulated. Mad cow. Silence! Are you ready? Relax. Breathe. Enjoy. Move it. Denny Craig. Move it. All right, everybody. Walk and love. Move it. Denny. You look good, right? You look great. From Forest Rain Studios, it's the home of Boston-Legal.org. You're connected to Boston Illegal, here and now. It's Friday, September 30. It's a few days after Boston Legal Tuesdays. I'm Dana Greenlee, and you're listening to Boston Illegal, the unofficial weekly audio experience for Boston Legal. That's the David E. Kelly-produced television show, broadcast here in the United States on ABC, along with 20th Century Fox, and of course, the talented David E. Kelly with his production company. Today's Boston Legal Radio is essentially going to be a conversation about the September 27 season premiere episode, The Black Widow. This podcast, you can download it, you probably did if you're listening to it right now, at boston-legal.org. You can also get it from odeo.com, that's O-D-E-O.com. It's a portal of all kinds of podcasts. If you don't know exactly how to find it once you get to Odeo, you can just Google Odeo, Boston Legal, come up right at the top. With me now, right now, is Kyle Abney. He's the man who knows Boston Legal better than, I think, the entire cast of Boston Legal and possibly even the creatives combined. Um, Someone who I like to call David E. Kelly the sequel. Kyle, thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I I really do feel honored to be here with you. You know, I feel honored to have you on the show because I've been reading your reviews that you wrote all last season one, all last year, Mm -hmm. and posted over at TV Tome. And I just knew you only from those reviews. I didn't even know if you were a man or a woman. And there you are. You're a guy. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of people, that's interesting. I got a lot of emails of... uh People who read my reviews from that website who assumed that I was a woman, and it would always be interesting to hear what they had to say, assuming that what I had said was coming from a, a woman's perspective. And so it, it turned out some inter- interesting conversations with some of the people who read my reviews. <laughs> um, I don't know. Was that alarming? <laughs> uh, no, it, it was, I, I, I took it as uh, funny, to tell yeah. you the truth, because most of the people who do go onto the online thing and post on message boards, I would say the majority are women, and they mm-hmm. expect... They, people expect you know to be talking to other females. There are not a lot of males in that scene, and I just thought it was interesting. It is it's true. Now you actually, for TV Tome, wrote massively long, witty, provocative, interesting reviews, not only for Boston Legal but for Lost and for Alias. Well, actually, uh, not for Alias. Not for Alias. Oh, okay. I was not a writer for Alias, but yes, I was also the writer for Lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for your your compliments. Thank you for reading. I wasn't even sure that that many people read them. I got a few regular emails, a few people who read weekly, but uh, I just posted it really for fun. I wanted to get my thoughts out there, and and it took probably a lot of research. I mean, you're watching the show, you're making notes, and you're actually you know formulating thoughts and writing it. But that's a commitment. Right. Yeah, I'd sit there every week with my pen and paper and the TV on, and then I'd tape it and rewatch it and watch it again and watch it again. And then the writing process is even is even more censored because then I'm never satisfied with what I've written, and I write and rewrite and edit and write it again until I post it finally. And that, that caused some problems because every now and then my review would come in a couple weeks late. But, but you know, those things live on forever, except in the case of TV Tome. What the heck happened? Uh, TV Tome. Well, see, this was great. It was just a fantastic website. It, was, it had this great community feel to it. People who love TV would contribute information, reviews of episodes, just 
it was just a great website. It was and, very um, organic and grassroots. It was. It was, it? It, was, it was. it was amazing. Citizen I, journalism. I was really happy to be a part of it. And um, of course, you know, these, these these type of things don't last. It was bought out, I believe, by CNET. I think. Yeah. And it became. It's now TV.com, and it's the core of the website, the the heart of it, the soul of it. It's pretty much gone now, and it's it's very flashy now. There's a lot of. Uh, well, they actually dumped all the content. They dumped all the old reviews and. Well, now anyone who's anyone can write a review for the show, and it's just pages and pages of, Stupid I thought this comments. was really cool, and yeah. they've really just lost what it, what it was, and I'm just really glad that you were able to get a hold of me, and, and now I have another <sighs> forum to post my reviews. Yeah, let, thank you again. Let's make sure and point that out that you and I and I've been negligent. You've been actually very, you know, you have a whole bunch of reviews that you sent me, but um, we're going to have your reviews on every episode that you wrote for. Did you write for every ep- of the twenty? Uh, actually, how many? Seventeen there episodes. Were Seventeen in season one, mm-hmm. and I do believe I missed two. I think I missed. I think it was the fourth or fifth episode, an eye for an eye, the Halloween themed mm-hmm. episode, <laughs> and I missed another episode somewhere in the middle okay. but other than that i've watched and reviewed for every episode in season one excellent well they'll live on everybody that has not had the privilege of reading kyle abney's known as abney in the reviewer world <laughs> so reviews <laughs> well, <yeah>. definitely <laughs> come over to boston-legal.org right now we only have what probably about four or five up and we'll yeah, be adding yeah, more. four or five from season one but yeah. like i said i'll be writing them for season two and They'll be there. In a few minutes, we'll jump into dissecting the show, the conversation. We'll have a lot of sound bites. I mean, we probably have about 18, 19 sound bites from the show, and then we'll talk about it. But let's look into some of the news of Boston Legal. It's been a few weeks since we had a podcast because it was off for a few weeks. And then, of course, now we have season two, and hopefully that will be uninterrupted. I think there's a, there's something a little disturbing that I found on the Boston Legal Yahoo group. I don't know what you think about this. Why don't you tell everybody what we uh, kind of encountered? No, we found that um, there's report there's reports coming out that Boston Legal may go on hiatus after the October 25th episode, and that it would return in January. Of course, this is a ratings issue. Depending on how the ratings are for the episodes that do air, they will decide whether or not they're going to run the show through, or if they're going to hold it back and then start it up again in January. And I should say that this is sort of unsubstantiated. I mean, it, Mark, who runs the, the Yahoo group, actually works in the cable industry. And so he hears things. Uh, so it's not been actually that I can tell or that he has actually posted that it's been printed in any mainstream news source. Right. So it's like word of the mouth. But then everybody's kind of saying things Rumor like central. that. Rumor central. So hopefully, you know, with 27 episodes committed and hopefully paid for, so, you, you know. Maybe everybody yeah. will get paid for it, even if they don't end up finishing out the season. Air, right. Yeah. Well, we won't dwell on that, and I'm actually just going to try and pretend it didn't get announced. So <laughs> I will do the same. Kyle, we had a pretty good news in uh, the well. What was it? September 18. What was that? That was the 57th annual Primetime Emmy Award. Yes. Congratulations to both William Shatner and James Spader, who won their Emmys. William Shatner for his role as Denny Crane on Boston Legal, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, and James Spader, who won his Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series, also for Boston Legal. I thought it was really interesting. Did you? Of course, you saw James Spader's acceptance speech in which he thanked his mother twice because he <laughs> forgot to thank his mother last year when he won for the same role on The Practice. You know, and he talked about his father, which was very poignant, actually. It was. It was very nice. And blew a kiss to Leslie in the audience. Yeah. His new girlfriend. Yes, it is. Our old girlfriend, depending on when we think they hooked up. But of course. <laughs> <laughs> they were in a couple movies together, weren't they? The Stick Up and um, My Mind is Blank right now. But it was that sort of sci-fi 
Your um, knowledge of uh, alien six degree film connections is uh, it's very vast. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's not. All right, let's talk. I know I hate to. We got a good news, bad news, good news, bad news. We got to talk a little bit about the ratings. I'm not saying it's bad. You right know. now, it you know can't really tell. Why don't you just give us some numbers? All right. Well, like I said, I'm a little illiterate when it comes to the whole Nielsen Media Research ratings business. You know, it looks like a collection of numbers to me. But <laughs> here we go. In the households, we are 8.6 out of 14. That's number four. Adult demographic, 18 to 49. There was a 3.4 share. That was tied for number eight. Um, year to year, Boston Legal is actually up 32.31% in households, but only 3.03% in adults from, in 1849 from the season premiere of NYPD Blue last year. So I suppose that's good news. Yeah, I think so. It may have slipped a little bit in comparison to some of the others that it was up against. But, right. you know, it's, it's... I mean, it's a competitive time slot. It is. Up against SVU and... And, uh, and clo- NBC. Exactly. And Close to Home, which is another legal drama yeah. that's premiering on October 4. On, that's next on, episode. Uh, CBS. Yeah, so I talked to the the star of that Close to Home actually a few weeks ago. Interviewed her, and um, she used to be actually on Ch- uh, Crossing Jordan. But oh, okay. you know, I try not to slam her or anything for being competitive against right, Boston Legal. Well, just like you don't want to get mad at Grey's Anatomy for taking her time slot last year. No, it's it's all for the network, I suppose. As long as the show's still on the air, I'm happy. And I think Commander in Chief did pretty well, so it's a it did it's a good lead in. Hopefully. And it looks like a good match. I want to make a quick mention. I know I've been blabbing about boston-legal.org, but there's another great website for Boston Legal fans to go check out. This one's an official website for Justin Mintel. He's the actor that plays Garrett Wells, the new uh, junior associate, right? Or new associate. Yeah, new junior associate under uh, the new character played by Julie Bowen. Yeah, that's right. And um, his website is justinmintel.net. That's spelled J-U-S-T-I-N-M-E-N-T-E-L-L. I think it goes by JTEL sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they have some really nice behind-the-scenes uh, pictures from the Boston Legal set where Justin's posing with William Shatner or Candace Bergen. And it's, it's, it's cute and it's good. And it's a very professional site. It's not as much of a fan site. Talked to the webmaster there yesterday. And it's really a portfolio of his work and that kind of thing for work because all actors – and thank goodness he's embracing the Internet and as a way to promote his career. I think that's great. It is, yeah. Yeah. Since we're talking websites, let me just, Kyle, you know, jump in here and do a little promotion of what we have added to boston-legal.org, apart from your reviews, of course. We have some new videos up from this last uh, episode, the premiere episode. We've got three of them, actually. We've got the first segment, so you can basically see the men in black theme, which we'll play for you here in a second. got (laughs) Brad Chase, I'm not the FBI, (laughs) his scene. I love that. I did too. And uh, and I just put up one actually of Garrett Wells. That's one we were just talking about doing his speech. The uh, religion in America is strong, and where you know. <laughs> Have you checked the pulse of this country lately? <laughs> exactly. That was good. I thought that was really funny. It was yet, great. Lots of clips of uh, famous people, including Al Sharpton. Wow, actually saying you know God in America. <laughs> God bless America. Sharpton's going to show up in every other episode, no matter what. Uh, he must have a great relationship with David E. Kelly. Something's going on behind the scenes there. <laughs> That's right. Something we may not want to know about. I <laughs> um, also have a clip up from a TV broadcast, a newscast from Boston, WCVB TV News. They did a feature story on Boston Legal. And we've got Spader talking to Charlie Gibson on Good Morning America. He did that uh, actually the day before the premiere. And that's kind of a nice conversation. James Spader was on The View on uh, last Monday. Got that clip up. Have you watched that one? Yeah, actually, I did watch that. I watched about, I didn't get 
chance to watch all of it, but I did watch most of it uh, up until they went to break before he came back with uh, the orgasm. Know, the orgasm doctor, yes. So you haven't seen the orgasm? I haven't seen the orgasm doctor. I, did, I ran out of time. <laughs> well, all, all I can say is just for the sound bites alone, you have to go watch. Everybody has to go watch that clip. That yeah, I'm good. sure it'll be hilarious. They, they, I was the star who invited him to stay. Yes, yeah. And then she looked pretty ticked that she had to move down to the end of the couch in that yeah. segment. Meredith said it was very endearing that he gave every one of those ladies a kiss on the cheek, though. He is. He's a ladies' man, isn't he? He is. He may think so, but he actually, I think the orgasm doctor asked him if, well, actually she made a statement that a large percentage of women fake orgasms, and he looked perplexed, and actually not like in a way of, I'm a super macho guy. He just said, I, I don't, I've never, you know, no one's ever faked it with me, to my knowledge. I, <laughs> Hopefully, if they're a good faker, he would know. <laughs> but then I think, who was it? It was a Joy sort of quipped yeah you you've dated a lot of actresses <laughs> yeah you never know <laughs> yeah, i know it put up the new cast pictures on the cast page so now we have we, you know we still have a little bit of you know rona and monica and lake is still there but we've got the new cast in there now so that's good hollywood reporter actually came out with a really nice review i thought that was good um do you want to read a few quick quotes from that Sure, a little excerpt here from The Hollywood Reporter. It says, Even with all the changes, Legal continues to deliver some of the smartest stories and most fascinating characters found on the small screen. Its mix of beautiful, powerful women and brash and quirky men provide constant tension and endless unpredictability. I think that's just the perfect way to describe not only the show last season, but as it's moving forward into this season. I think it's just a great way to summarize what the show is doing. Yeah, I think they're as talented as you are in writing. <laughs> Thank you. Kyle. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm humbled. <laughs> but just before we get to uh, hearing from some of the fans out there, I wanted to digress just a little bit, but I can tie it in to Boston Legal. Uh, something that happened to me personally a few weeks ago. Kyle, you and I have talked about it. But, yes, we have. Um, I have a couple sound bites from interviews I did with some of the CBS stars. CBS actually uh, selected me to be a podcaster for their season premiere. Um, and they made an excellent choice. In oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Oh, You're deserving. I felt pretty humbled to be there. And, and <laughs> let me tell you, it's scary because I knew there was going to be like 30-some actors in it's six hours. Day. Yeah. yeah. And they put you in this big, we were actually on sound state. Okay, CBS flew me down there and um, put me up in a really nice hotel, by the way, La Meridian. I recommend it to everybody, but don't drink what looks like complimentary water they leave in your room because they charge you $8. Yeah. They uh, they brought me down there to put me on sound, Soundstage 33, which was uh, actually the Price is Right Soundstage, but it's pretty legendary at uh, Television City. I guess it's been there the longest, that Soundstage, that studio. But um, 30-some actors came basically came into my radio booth, and we talked to them for about five to ten minutes each, and eventually those will end up on CBS.com. They have a podcast um, initiative called Netcast. hasn't happened yet. I'm just waiting uh, I have a couple sound bites because I actually asked a couple of the actors from CBS shows have had uh, you know six degrees with actually one degree with James Spader and so I had to of course bring that up and I, some of this is not making it onto the CBS podcast because you know we talk about Boston Legal but here's one um, let's talk to Jamie Gertz and Mark Addy they're the stars of Still Standing have you ever seen that. I have. My mom loves that show. I watch it with her every week. Oh, that's nice. That's really good. And Jamie, of course, was with. Was she? Um, she was in a David E. Kelly show, Allie McBeal. She was in Less Than Zero with James Spader. She may have been in another one. And apparently, they they share a same agent at least at one time. So here's what uh, what we talked about before the interview actually started. And listen for Mark Addy, who plays her husband on the Still Standing show, and what he says about his wife wanting to stalk. James Spader. 
He, Alan Shore. Oh, he's so brilliant. And you've been on David Kelly's, you know, yes, Valley yes. Field. So I was, was very fun. excited. But he's with the same agent, and I've been with the same agent. Oh. We've, we're her oldest James, clients. James Babe. Yeah. My so I was wife. Screaming like a crazy man when he. My wife uh, is crazy for her. insane yeah. about mm-hmm. James. She was his agent. Do they agent? get Boston legal? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, does yeah. she watch? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, no, she and oh, Ruth, Living TV does Boston. Yeah. She, she and uh, Ruth Doyle, a friend of hers, are uh, they're going to st- they're like we're going to stalk James Spader. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. I know there's a lot of voices going on there, but you kind of tell. <laughs> I think that's priceless. That was pretty good. And uh, here's another one. Talk to John Cryer. He's on Two and a Half Men on CBS. Right, right. With Charlie Sheen. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Now, do you, can you name the movie he was in with Spader? I cannot. Oh, Pretty in Pink uh, from the 80s. He You've played got me with the six degrees. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Were you born yet? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, it was the 80s. And he, John Cryer played Ducky and... Um, James Spader was sort of the, as he tends to be, sort of the ne'er-do-well, bad boy, rich guy, you know, at the high school. I wish I had the full soundbite. I don't have access. It's on my laptop. So I'll just play you one. Maybe I'll I'll play you another soundbite next week. But the one I won't be able to play, he was talking about how um, Spader was stultifyingly amazing in Boston Legal. And he was just really, really, really impressed and loves to watch him in the practice. You know, season eight was really great. But uh, here's one. One question I did ask him, and it was an unprompted answer. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's just talk about a little bit before we talk about the show. Um, I know that you're probably an internet-savvy kind of guy. Fairly. And, and we're a podcast, so a lot of people, well, to listen to us, they've had to download this interview. So we're going to okay. just say, John Cryer likes to surf around the internet and go to... Uh, uh, say, uh, jamesspader.org. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sweet. So, yeah. I, I actually just mentioned to him that I run a site called jamesspader.org, and, and he remembered that. So then, that was nice of him. I know. It's, it's almost like one of those sound bites you want to you know play on the front oh, page of your website. Self-promotion. <laughs> okay. Enough about CBS, because we're here to talk about Boston Legal and ABC. And actually invite everybody that is listening to this to call in with your comments after the episode, you know, each episode that you watch, call in anytime, but hopefully within a day or two, because we do want to record this usually within a few days of the episode, and leave a comment at a basically a voicemail. I won't be answering the phone, so it doesn't matter when you call. And the number won't be talking to me. Yeah, okay. And the number is on the website. You do you mind reading it, Kyle? Absolutely not. The number is one eight hundred nine eight six eight two nine oh, toll free in the United States. And if you want to email us, you can at Boston Illegal, that's B O S T O N I L L E G A L, at gmail.com. Thank you. You're so good at that. You're my Vanna White. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to actually play for you one uh, caller that we got uh, from after the Death Be, Be Not, Not Proud. Death Be Not Proud. <laughs> which they the episode that uh, James Bader submitted for his Emmy win, by the way, there. Good point. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and that was a very dramatic it was. part for him. Let's listen to Alan from New Jersey, not the Alan, but the another Alan, talking a little bit about Boston Legal and Boston Public. And you know what? Alan needs a new phone service, so bear with us as we try to interpret what he's saying. My name is Alan. I'm from New Jersey. I'm a huge William Shatner fan. I'm a huge David E. Kelly fan. And my question, I'm also a big Boston Public fan. So my question is, part of the problem with Boston Public was that all the cast members left the show and there were all these cast changes, and, it, and that was part of the problem why it was canceled. So I'm wondering what's happening with Boston Legal, where 
Is it going to get canceled for the same reason as Boston Public? Hmm. So he's saying, do you think that uh, Boston Legal might be canceled because of all the cast changes? And actually, that is something that I've no. read out there. Not not that it would be canceled, but people are a little perturbed about the revolving door and the casting right. directors. Well, yeah, but you have to remember, Boston Legal was born out of an enormous cast change on David E. Kelly's previous series, mm-hmm. Practice. That's right. So, the majority of those actors were fired, and they brought in James Spader as Alan Shore, Ronan Mitra, Tara Wilson. So I really don't... As long as the core is still there, and I think the core is... James Bader and William Shatner, and to some extent, Candace Bergen and um, Mark Valley, yeah. that the show will, will continue to go on as long as the writing remains as good as it has been and everything this season so far has shown that it will be. I don't think we have anything to fear. Do you think it's a little bit of a, a rating, not a, maybe a rating stunt? Well, it could be a rating stunt to just to bring in special guest stars every week like Heather Locklear, like they've had before. I suppose that to some degree. I, would, I, I, don't, I don't think they're doing it because they want to bring in ratings, but for some reason it might be that they're uh, trying to appease the network. I'm sure ABC loves having people like Heather Locklear on the show. Mm-hmm. But um, also, I don't know if it's so much for ratings, because originally this episode was slated to be a season one episode, and I think that it could be it could be something like that, but I don't think David mm-hmm. E. Kelly is uh, a network, you know, good yeah. to any degree, so... I think he just writes, you know, he gets out his legal pad and writes and, right. and he has somebody in mind and they ask him and everybody's, you know, who Eager wants to, to work with him. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, I started making a list when I was at that CBS thing of all the people I talked to who had in their bios that they'd been on the practice. I mean, Charles S. Dutton, he was, he's in Threshold, right. but he was, he won an Emmy for his thing on the practice. Henry Winkler, I'd interviewed him. He was on the practice as the, the dentist and that may or may not have killed someone. Anyway, it's, it, everybody's worked with the guy, so... Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting after all the great guest stars they had, all the very famous names that they had last year in season one, that they didn't get any of them nominated in the guest star yeah, category, category. Right. Whereas last year they had, you know, Shatner, they had Betty White in that Sharon category, Stone. and Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone back on the practice. All right, let's uh, also quickly read before we're about to get into the episode, but I just want to read an email I got from I'm a Mess. I'm a Mess is a, her code name, but she actually does a lot of videos for our site, so she's a really good contributor. And uh, she wrote me after watching Black Widow. She said, you know, I don't do change very well. And she says, afraid of everyone's comments that they can see evidence of Boston Legal turning into a comedy. So she was worried about that. I didn't notice. To me, it's still a drama. Oh, Alan Shore is so adorable. It reminded me very much of episode nine when um, he asks Denny, what's wrong? I've said before and I've said it again. I get the impression that he can take care of all the world's ills when he says that. In this episode, I get the same feeling, that he'll do whatever it takes to serve the client. What a feeling it must be to have Alan Shore believe in your innocence. <laughs> and it was pretty touching with when he was talking to Kelly Nolan about, she wanted to say, I am innocent, and he says, I believe you. Yeah, especially um, by the end of the episode, sitting with uh, Jenny Crane, and he's strong conviction in, in that yeah. belief that she's innocent. I definitely cannot ever call Alan Shore gullible, but he's had some history of believing in his clients. I mean, there's Paul Stewart in the practice, there was... Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So MMS goes on to say, um, she puts an expletive deletive in there. If David E. Kelly has it turn out that uh, Kelly Nolan is as guilty as Paul Stewart was, we don't know if that's the case. But really, with trial situations, there's only two ways it can go. Right. You can't really get too creative with the verdict, but you can getting to the verdict. And the fallout afterwards. 
and uh, I'm a mess just did say one more thing. She says, um, you know that feeling of glee when you get your whole body tenses up and you're clasping your hands in delight? Towards the end of this episode, I had that several times. I've been so afraid that I wouldn't like the turn to comedy. Um, she says, do you think it'll be considered as a comedy for next year's Emmys? I wonder. Personally, I don't think that we'll see that much of a change in the show. It's always been, you know, this new category that's been around for probably less than a decade. People are calling shows dramedies, where mm. they're a little bit of a mix between drama and comedy. And I think this year, with Desperate Housewives being nominated as a comedy when that show is really just a very darkly, sometimes funny, but it's still at its core, I think, a drama. And it did not win in that category. I think that proves that a show that's somewhere in the gray area between can't really win as a comedy. And I think Boston Legal falls in that category. Mm-hmm. All right. How about, Kyle, if we actually talk about the show? <laughs> hey, that's what we're here to do. Let's do it uh, scene by scene. I think that's sometimes, not scene by scene, but by storyline. So okay. that's sort of we can cover each one. I, there was like, I think, three major storylines. So we'll talk about sort of the Black Widow, Kelly Nolan with Alan Shore and William Shatner. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Alan. Sh- See, I do this all the time. <laughs> you know, Mix actor names and character names. Keep me straight on that. That's why I prefer to be a writer, because if you make a mistake like that, you can go back and change it before you publish. <laughs> That's good. I know that we're under pressure here, Kyle. Yes, we are. And then we have, for me. <laughs> we have the what I suppose was the newly filmed, inserted, edited in storyline with the Denise Garrett and Sarah uh, with Walter Edmonds. That's right. I hate to think what they lost when they filmed, you know, they filmed this episode in whatever, February, March, April. Right. What did they cut out? I hate to think that Brad ended up on the cutting room floor. I know you have a special uh, I do. adoration of our Mark Pelley, our Brad Chase. And also the other storyline, that was with the mute, the cellist, Tara Shirley-Schmidt and Rupert Everett. Well, Tara's old flame. So we'll talk about each of those, but I want to talk just a second about that opening sequence. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Why don't you describe yes. that opening sequence? Well, I, immediately I burst into laughter, but I just thought with uh, James Spader... William Shatner, Alan Shore, Denny Crane, walking down the street, wearing sunglasses. You <laughs> cannot get any cooler than that. And then they're walking across the street, and the woman walks up to them, and they stop as if to say, do you actually think we're going to part for you? And she has to walk around them, and they continue walking, and everyone turns around and is watching them as they leave. I just thought it was brilliant. It was the, like After the little recap of season one, it was the perfect way to jump right into season two and say, this show is going to have light tones at times, it's going to have heavy tones at times, just go with the flow because you're going to love it. And with the driving beat of the Peter Gunn theme music, right. it's just great. I mean, these guys look like men in black, of course. It was, it was, fa- And then, of course, Alan has the black tie, and Denny has the yep. yellow tie. <laughs> Alan in his ties, Denny's in his ties, man. I, I love Denny. I've, usually, Denny and his ties end up in the good, bad, and ugly part of my reviews because the man knows how to dress. <laughs> he does. It's great. I love these running sort of jokes or whatever, the, the threads that continue from episode to episode with the ties and, you know, of course, the balcony scene. Well, let's actually play the opening sequence. You just mentioned they did a recap of, of season one. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to do that because anybody that didn't, you know, and they need a refresher. And if they of didn't course. see it, let's just listen to that. You know, they can never tell whether I know what I'm doing or not. Can you tell? Not really. We have a reputation here at Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. The attorneys here take great pride in that reputation. It undermines everyone at Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. Stop it! So, you're Shirley Schmidt of Crane, Poole, and... Schmidt. 
Alan Shore, it's a pleasure. Denny Gray. I once had a torrid, torrid affair with that woman. First, everybody knows that. Second, the word would be horrid. You don't know me, Alan Shore. Not as well as you think. How are you? You killed again. You got blood on my hands that will never come out. Friends, don't do that. Do not start a war with me here. You may not win it. We look good together. Yes, we do. And now, the season premiere of Boston Legal. Aw, we look good together. Yes, they do. <laughs> then, what do you think of that music? Did it make you kind of think of the what they play under the Emmys when they show the slides of the people who've passed away the past year? That's a little bit, and it, it, it seemed like a little scary. Scared me a little bit. <laughs> Is this foreshadowing for what's going to happen to our show? I hope not. But it actually, I think it was done tongue in cheek. You know, it was, it was very it was. grave. But I think kind of we poking all fun at other shows who do something similar. It, it did sort of have that sort of almost the um, the West Wing vibe to it. Right, it did. It did. I did get that vibe too. <laughs> oh, it, and then it moves into um, the opening sequence, which I'm going to play right now, which you had just described. We look good, right? We look great. Not a lot of dialogue there, was it? (laughs) No, but (laughs) it was great on the screen. It was good. And, and definitely don't go watch on boston-legal.org the opening sequence, the video. Because See the video that goes along with that audio yeah. you just heard. You know, and then it, it actually moved in where they entered the, the lobby of, of Greenpool and Schmidt. And did you kind of notice the sort of Noah's Ark thing they had going on there? Two by two by two. Yeah. It was a little strange. Yeah, like describe it. What, what you saw is, is the camera sort of panned back down the hallway. Everybody was in pairs. You had Alan and Denny walking in together. And then you had Garrett and Sarah talking to each other. And then you had Bernie with Catherine, and they were together. And then you had Denise, also another new character, with a client. It was, it was interesting. Everyone was off in pairs. Mm-hmm. And as the cameras sort of panned from one to the next to the next, and kind of had all of them in the same shot, it was, gave me that Noah's Ark feel. That's a great name yeah, for it. exactly. And I think that uh, what they were doing is they were kind of just touching on each little storyline. You know, Bernie right. was there with uh, Mrs. Piper talking about... The Black Widow. The Black Widow. And Denise was setting up her little story with the client. And it was effective and interesting to sort of get it done really fast. Yeah, a little taste of each story that's to come in the episode. Okay, we're going to talk about The Black Widow now. Um, this one will set it up because this is a, a little soundbite from when Denny actually walks in on a meeting in progress with Heather Locklear, who plays The Black Widow, and... Her name's Kelly Nolan. Brad and Alan are in there as well. Teddy Crane, you've come to the right firm. I can tell you that. My God, you're even more striking in person. (laughs) I love it. Who is this man? And why is his face about to explode? Kelly Nolan, this is Denny Crane. Success has caused his head to swell. It'll be an honor to defend your honor. Has anybody ever told you how incredibly beautiful you are? Never. Could you excuse us, please? Certainly you want me by your side at this trial. (sighs) I'm sure you're very sweet, but old men tend to die on me. I'm Teddy Crane. No bigger ass. Asset. You want me at your table. Look, we're sort of busy here. Seems like you're deliberately challenging us to dislike you. 
Mr. Shore, the media has painted me as the Black Widow, the gold digger who's poisoned her 70-year-old rich husband. If they can prove I was having an affair, I'll be hated. I'll be needing a jury to look beyond the hatred and see that I'm innocent. I suppose I'm first looking for an attorney who could do the same. I can. God, you're sexy. How about you go back to your office? I'll have a pair of my pants delivered. You can try and get in them on your own time. She's wicked. I love it. I just thought it was interesting to see Denny so smitten with one woman other than our own Shirley Schmidt. Oh, that's true. Ah, non-denominational go for anyone, I guess. <laughs> this one, I just want to play another sequence with Bernie because it was was it odd for you to see Bernie back in? I was not expecting it. I don't know if it was a little bit for it was fun to see him with Catherine though. It was great. They do have sort of this strange relationship, I think. Yeah, they, they were bouncing off each other in an interesting way. I think it's going to move forward into the next episode too. We'll see. It's like she's emotionally flatlined. She speaks with no affect. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an associative disorder. That's what it is. She cannot reconcile herself with what she's done, so she emotionally lobotomizes herself. If I could just get one whiff of her. Catherine, mark up a motion for a continuance in the Nolan case and file it immediately, please. Ah, I knew it. You need more time. You're in trouble. She did it, didn't she? He seems to take particular delight in all this. Does he not, Catherine? We all do. It's fun to see pretty people fall. (laughs) Your little boyfriend is twisted. Trust me when I tell you, he's not finished killing. Catherine Catherine. and Bernie, Leslie Jordan and Betty White are great together. They are. (laughs) I hope they keep him around, but unfortunately, if anybody's read ahead on the summaries and won't give anything away, I don't know how much longer they're going to be on the show. We will see. The look on her face, though, when Alan said what he said was just price, almost like she didn't realize that he was a killer. Like, she was shocked that such a gentle-looking man could be what Alan said he was. I think in the, toward the end, one of the last few episodes of season one, she was actually trying to convert him to Christianity, I think, because he's Jewish. (laughs) Maybe this is her mission, you know. Maybe. Save him one way or the other. We'll see. (laughs) Alan Shore seems to be sort of now, I don't know, ranking higher than Brad. Wasn't he not uh, in that meeting assigning Brad to go here, go there, do this, do that? That was weird. I noticed that. Now, season one, Brad would not have taken that from Alan. I, I, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's sort of like this dog hierarchy going on, the big dog now on the porch, because, you know, I think... Alan has won some big cases. Yeah. And obviously, he's rejecting authority in any way, shape, and form. But He wouldn't be Alan Shore if he did. No. So now Alan Shaw runs off to go uh, talk to the housekeeper of Kelly Nolan's. Talk about what, from her perspective, what she's probably going to say in court. And he gets an earful. What makes you think she did that? I know he wasn't suicidal. I know she stood to inherit. I know they argued and he threatened to disinherit her. She certainly knew he'd be taking Viagra if they were going to make love, which they almost never did, by the way. Perfect. Slip him a little nitro. What a deadly combination. You seem to have a finely tuned sense of delivery. And having lived in the same house with her for seven years, I know she's a cold, detached person. She's capable. Now, did that uh, person look familiar to you? 
I believe she was on ER, if I recall yes, correctly. Yes, exactly. You know your Another TV. Another one of my favorite shows. <laughs> she played Nurse Lydia on there, too. And another familiar face from The Practice and from, I think he was also in an episode in season one of Boston Legal, David Kelly loves to bring back judges because that makes sense, you know, right. you Boston know, Court. Right, the same area, same yeah. universe. Although there's this whole discussion going on in, in one of the message boards about the fact that this judge that was now presiding over the Black Widow case, and by the way, his name is Anthony Held? Anthony Held. Judge Harvey Cooper, and I guess in the practice he was also going by the same last name, Cooper, but another first name. And I, I don't know. And so people are saying, is it a brother? Is it, you know, was it a mistake? David Kelly doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. But I wouldn't think. Maybe it's just a little subtle allusion to his, oh, who knows, maybe it, it's a little it's nod to his past on the practice. It, it could be because, I mean, he does talk about being, when I was in L.A., you know, as a judge. Right. And in, in, in the practice, he was a judge in L.A. when I guess they went out to L.A. for some case. But he has, he has an interesting uh, pronunciation of the state in which he presides. And would you like to sort of try and mimic I don't that? think I could match it. All right. Well, let's see if we can have him say it for us here. It's a last-minute motion designed to waste the court's time. A week I before submit- the trial, I have no interest in wasting time. Mr. Shore, all motions were to be filed 10 days ago by order of this court. Now, I must admit that I am new to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, but <laughs> I like to stick to my schedules. Of course. Why bother with justice when there's a day planner involved? I realize attorneys in Massachusetts are fond of sarcasm. You should know I spent most of my years on the bench in Los Angeles, and if a lawyer talks back to a judge in Los Angeles... He's shot, probably on the freeway. Can we get back to the justice part? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. (laughs) Have you noticed they do this in dialogue a lot? I mean, I I remember back in the Santa Claus, gay Santa Claus case last season, they had that one judge that was, had to say, a homosexual. (laughs) Homosexual. (laughs) I love that judge, and I think we have another piece from him here. I want to play it, but what I want you to listen to in the soundbite is this is in chambers with Denny and, and Alan, and Denny, who you know loves to come up with these random comments, you know, that kind of fluster people, did so in this scene. How dare you come in here and seek a continuance, Your Honor? We need to conduct an investigation, having incorrectly assumed that the police had done one. Mr. Shore, this this. This woman is trying to manipulate this process. I will not be manipulated. Mad cow. Silence! (laughs) Mad cow. Mad cow. She likely fired her last attorney because she told him she did it. And since he can't knowingly put a witness in the chair to commit perjury, which is her plan, she was forced to retain new counsel and keep them in the dark. And now we have you. And you. If this woman wishes to manipulate me in the dark, Denny. Silence! The eyes. Quiet. This trial will start next week. Judge, notwithstanding your tightly corseted mind, no defendant in a murder case can get a fair trial with an attorney who has had less than a week to prepare. You're wasting my time, counsel, and to the detriment of Miss Nolan, you are wasting yours. Your request for a continuance is denied. Ah, oh, those are classic scenes. It was. <laughs> it's, that's classic David E. Kelly writing too there with the tightly corseted mind. I don't think anyone else could have come up with anything. <laughs> Nearly as brilliant as that. You know, I read something interesting, kind of an aside here, but you were the writing of David E. Kelly. I was reading a blog. It's about script writing. I guess apparently when you have, um, when you want to break into television writing, you carry around sort of a portfolio that they call, well, they're like spec scripts. And you write scripts for shows that are currently hot or on the air. You don't submit them to those shows, but that's your portfolio, like an artist has their pictures. 
and you submit right. those. And I guess they were listing the shows that you should write scripts, spec scripts for shows you should not. Boston Legal, it says if you can nail the David E. Kelly style, you have you know almost assurances that you'll get hired. Because I guess it's such a it's a wonderful style, but it's really hard, I guess, to get. It would be very difficult to replicate. It's a good house, I guess, is another one that's supposed to be very hot right now to write. Well, House just won the Emmy for writing. David Shore won for that episode called Three Stories, another one of my favorite shows, in case you couldn't tell. Now, are you writing reviews for House? No, I'm not. Not currently. Right now, my time is limited. I'm trying to get as much done as I can. We'll see. Maybe sometime in the future, if the show comes out on DVD, I might do some retro reviews. We'll see. Oh, it's all about the basketball for you right now, right? Right, right. That's one of my... Uh, and school. That's I am cool. in school, too. That's important. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What an interesting thing about this is we're working our way through the Black Widow segment or storyline is that the opposing counsel, did he look familiar to you? He did. He did. I believe he was on uh, that little Kiefer Sutherland show that's been making some noise for the last four years. Which one was that? Um, I think there's numbers in the name. I'm uh, not sure. 13? Thir- um, I think it's, no, I think it's, no, 24 is ringing a bell. You know, I think I may have flipped past that show once or twice. <laughs> yeah, he played the vice president who became president last season when the fr- when the president died. And he right. was ineffectual as the vice. Do you watch Twenty Four? I do. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's it's right up there. Well, obviously, I'm a fan of Alias and uh, Twenty Four. Same vein. Yeah, the whole spy thing going on, and Kiefer Sutherland is just incredible on that show. He carries that show on his back. Oh man! Oh man! And, and it's too bad he didn't win, but I'm glad James won for that. I, I, I mean, if it went to anyone besides James, I would have been happy for Keith. But the fact that they employed this, you know, vice president now as opposing counsel, it just confirms my long-held theory that there's six or seven actors working in Hollywood, and they just kind of cycle through all the shows. Every show, yeah. That Aisha Tyler, you know, she's the one that was on Talk Soup and on Friends and Twenty Four, right, and now right. she's on Ghost Whisper. You know, she's one of those that does it too. A couple more clips now from that scene with the whole the storyline of Black Widow. But this one, of course, I have to bring out because it's a Brad scene. You know, I don't think it's any secret that I'm I'm rooting for the guy to actually be able to get more scenes. As David Kelly promised in the TCA tour last summer, he said they're going to be writing more comedy for Brad. Okay. But this one right now is at his expense, unfortunately. Do you know where this Willis Burger lives? Yes. I'm going to mark up a motion to change venue. If those images reach our jury pool, I'll kill us. Why don't you pay a visit to this Willis Burger and see what's there? We could try for a search with a court order. I don't think we've got enough to get one. Brad, I need for you to use your imagination here. Get your hands dirty if you have to. Let me start by mussing. Oh, good God, it doesn't muss. Get what you can on this, kid. Okay, Brad's hair. He's referring to Brad's hair. He tries to muss up Brad's hair. Brad, you know, sticking with a Kindle sort of thing, you know, has yeah. plastic hair. I think it was a little more plastic this episode than usual. But uh, Massive amounts of gel and hairspray. <laughs> yeah. I think Brad likes to be in control of everything, including every strand of hair. Yes. There's some suppression there somewhere. I wonder what there, happened. There's the background. There's, what happened in his childhood to make him so emotionally detached? Something with his father, probably. Oh, you know, i got to write that. i got to write something <laughs> about that. Then Brad does go off and do Alan's bidding, you know, with his own sort of creative twist, taking a chapter from Alan Shore's book of impersonations and manipulations. Very, it, it was it an was uncommon thing for him to do. He's very good at it, though. Oh, Kyle, I love you for that. <laughs> Lori Berger? Yes? 
Do you have a son, Willis Berger? What's wrong? What's happened? I'm investigating a potential crime. Now, if I had the authority to reveal it was with the FBI, I would say so. But until certain security clearances are satisfied, I'm not officially at liberty to tell you anything. Now, as far as you're concerned, you never heard me say that I'm with the FBI, which, for the record, of course I'm not. I need to speak with your son immediately, and I think you would like to arrange that before others speak with him. I'm sure you know what I mean. What's he done? Take me to your son, ma'am. Hello, Willis. I'm not FBI. You got that? You never heard me say FBI. Do any blogging today? Get away from the computer. Why? Step away from the computer, son. I, I was just looking. Looking or posting? Willis! I was just looking. That's your neighbor, Kelly Nolan. Uh, so? I mean, that's why I'd be curious, right? I mean, naked pictures of a neighbor on a website? Who wouldn't look? Mm-hmm. What's that there? He was not with the FBI, so technically he couldn't be. And he, he used his uh, skill at speaking fast to uh, confuse both Lori and Willis. That's right. He committed no crime. They let him in. It wasn't like the situation that in practice eight, where uh, Alan was impersonating a, an airline pilot. No, an air, a representative from the airline industry. Right. Got Jamie Stringer a bit in trouble there. Yeah. But, yeah. It did. <laughs> Well, our one last soundbite from that storyline does kind of set up. This is a to-be-continued storyline. It's going to be concluded next week or October 4 episode. And uh, this kind of lets you know that I think Alan is is out there on the edge with Kelly Nolan. He's got to believe in his client, and this kind of demonstrates that. Obviously, I haven't exactly hit it off with this judge. Perhaps you should go elsewhere. I'll stay. I think you know. I know. That I'm innocent. The way you fought in there. Don't kid yourself. I'm the ultimate mercenary. I put myself on the line for $500 an hour. It's that simple. I don't believe you. You know. Now, if Alan charges $500 an hour, and I read somewhere, or listen, Denny charges $750 an hour, I wonder what Brad charges, and I wonder if he's worth it. I'm sure he is to you. <laughs> so any any for, sort of parting thoughts on that storyline right now, Kyle? Well, as far as it is, I think we can expect some surprises in the next episode from Kelly. I, I don't know what's going on with her. She She... She's not given us much to go on, and I'm really surprised that Alan is trusting her the way he is. I'm going to see how that goes into the next episode, because right now, we really don't know. Do you want to call it? Do you want to make a wager? Do I want to make a wager with you or with <laughs> the viewers? Um, with anybody you pick. It's your wager. It's <laughs> My bet is that she actually is innocent. You heard it here first. If I'm wrong, send me scathing emails. I'll say that she is guilty, um, and this has been played out before, but... That they'll get her off, and then in a privileged conversation, she'll say something that will imply that she's guilty. And yes, that's that's been done before, but it's always interesting. Well, one of us will be right. One of us will be right. <laughs> like I said, there's only two ways it can go. I guess they can always have a mistrial. <laughs> but True. I, can, okay. I don't know. Then have her back. I don't, I don't think they can keep Heather that long, though. All right, Kyle. We are on to storyline number two, which is the cellist, 
the who is also mute, who was, um, I guess, sexually groped, perhaps. In by, a matter of five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> being represented by Tara Wilson and Shirley Schmidt. And uh, this is actually one where we have a special guest star. And let's see if anybody can recognize the voice. Sorry I'm late, people. Extraordinary thing, that big dick. Malcolm Holmes, Tara... What? <laughs> Tara and I are, um, already acquainted. Acquainted? Well, that's what we say in England. In America, you'd probably say, uh... I'm the reason she went to law school. She's the one who got away. What are you doing in Boston? I finally know. You let your hair grow. <clears throat> you know, I hate to break up the tea party, but... Careful. We're still a bit thin-skinned on that one. Such a waste of proper tea. How is it that I just get older and you seem to get more... <sighs> magnificent? How about first we address settling the case? Ah, uh, I have no interest in settling. We fully intend to... See this through. Name that guest star, Kyle. It's Prince Charming from Trek 2. <laughs> did he do the voice? I think he did. Um, Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett. And I like to think of him as the, um, in the Madonna movie, Next Best Thing, with the basically the lover of Mark Valley's character, the cardiologist. So, yes, there was a movie with Madonna and Rupert Everett where Mark Valley played Rupert Everett's lover. Six degrees, yet again. Yes, again. I had to listen to that a couple times before I realized that Malcolm was saying, oh, it's a waste of proper property Proper-ty. as opposed to property. Well, right. Property. Oh, I love it, though. His voice is great. And he's there not only to um, be opposing counsel, but perhaps rekindle something with Miss Wilson. Oh, I, I think definitely. I think that might be his intention, especially since uh, Rona Mitra, who plays Tara Wilson has been demoted to special appearance. She's no longer a member of the main cast. So he could be some convenient plotting to write her out of the show. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Did you by any chances that we digress yet again uh, see her on Nip Tuck? I did not. I don't get it. I I didn't get FX until recently. I have not seen any of Nip Tuck and I've been told that I'm missing out hugely. I have to check out the DVDs. The premiere episode of Nip Tuck last week, there's only been two episodes. She had the most I mean, graphic sex scene, and then a threesome with another woman, and it's just amazing. That's Interesting. Our, our, uh, Miss, our Miss Wilson. <laughs> I think some uh, male viewers are now rushing to their computers. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's on at the premiere. You know, Nip Tuck is on in the same, same time slot, Tuesday at 10. Right. Uh, but, of course, it repeats, you know, over and over again on Because that FX doesn't have much to run. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, back to, actually, the storyline. Now, this case involves, like we mentioned a cellist who says that she was groped. And since she's mute... Yes, she is. Her counsel, Rupert Everett, Malcolm, has to speak cello. That is, he lets her interpret her story, her emotional story, by playing her cello in in the witness chair. Yes. And couldn't they have used sign language? I just thought I'd get that out there. I think that's a good thing to get out there. It's a fair question. Sign language? It is a fair question. Yeah. But... Sign language wouldn't be nearly as humorous as a cello. So let's hear the um, the testimony of the mute cellist. A cello, Your Honor. Certainly, my client is entitled to her day in court. And how are we supposed to understand what she's saying? Oh, we have her affidavits. Plus, as it happens, I speak cello. 
Mr. Holmes, this is a serious matter. <laughs> I assure you I find nothing humorous about sexual assault. And you don't think it's trivialized by putting her up there with a musical instrument? My client is mute. I should not prevent her from getting in the witness chair and expressing herself to her best ability. Miss Schmidt, I don't see how it prejudices anything. You're not serious. We'll begin tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. We actually didn't hear from the cellist, but we heard the discussion surrounding that he speaks We to. heard why she got up on the stand with the cello. That's right, which we explained. Would you like to actually hear the testimony? Let's uh, hear it. And it's actually, there's some humorous parts to it, like you said. Judge has permitted me to lead, but in your own way, I'd like you to tell us what happened that night. You were headed home. It was a delightful spring night. Parents walking with their children seemed so innocent, blissful. Which is perhaps the reason why you felt safe in taking a shortcut through an alleyway. It was dark. Suddenly, you had a very strange feeling. You turned around, you looked around, and suddenly, a man was coming. That man. And he grabbed you. You were terrified. He molested you. He fondled your breast. It was awful. You will never get over it, ever. Thank you. Your witness. Shirley Schmidt approaches. <laughs> Objection. Ms. Bradley. Thank you. Ms. Bradley. Okay, Kyle, name those movie themes. <laughs> Jaws. Yes. Wicked Witch. Yes, from Wizard of Oz. Of course. And when uh, he w- when she was being groped, she described it musically as from Psycho. I believe it was yes. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, sorry, I took your thunder. You were going to say that. <laughs> I, it was taking me a while to get to it because... To me, it was the, I was like, wait a second, I know that's the knife in the air, in the shower. <laughs> love it, love it. Now, do they have to play royalty, pay royalties for the use of that? I don't know. I would assume so. <laughs> okay. Um, they are lawyers, so I'm sure they do everything by the book. I'm All sure they people. take care of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, any comments about that, that whole storyline right there before we move on to the personal relationship between Malcolm and Tara? Other than the fact that I still think that they should have gone with sign language. <laughs> Again, then this would be Jerry Bruckheimer and not David E. Kelly then. So. <laughs> not too procedural. We just want to have our we, comedy. We want, we want our little comedic flair that Dramedy. he gives us. Our com- yes, exactly. Of course, Malcolm doesn't let anything like you know fraternizing with opposing counsel stand in his way of winning Tara over, at least exploring that possibility, right? Right. So he has to... Inquire about Tara's availability. Would I like him? Probably not. You'd admire his sense of humor. You see you two getting married? Probably not. You see us two getting married? Probably not. (laughs) This is why I shouldn't drink, I suppose. Double scotch, please. Yes, sir. You know, your client is guilty. Says you. Concert cellists don't lie. 
you in court, Malcolm. So she she did resist his lips at that point. There's nothing yet happening, but then uh, then we do move to another encounter they have toward well, actually at the end of the of the court case. Which, right. by the way, who prevailed there? Who prevailed in the court case? Mm-hmm. I can't honestly say I recall. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I'm actually not recalling either. I'm drawing a blank. Well, maybe this will be a clue from the soundbite. I'm uh, one to offer advice. If you're really serious about this, um, Alan, uh, you don't want to lose him. At least, by God, be able to offer the excuse that you simply had too much wine for dinner. Hmm? Excuse for what? Excellent. I love a woman who makes no apologies. Let's go. I'm not going anywhere with you. No? Then why is your hand in mine? There are promises of more to come with that storyline. He'll be back in, in the second episode, won't he? Yes, he will. And my, my, I must say, uh, dinner definitely leads to things other than dinner. Yeah, especially. Just want to get that out on the table. Oh, do we know this from personal experience, Kyle? Of course not. No. No, you, you must keep your reputation clean. <laughs> of course. I'm still young. Oh, okay. But yes, I think there'll be wine and... Um, Laughter. Laughter and... Reminiscence. We'll see. time's sake. Wow. Well. Now, um, actually, we'll we'll step back just a little bit. This was at the end of the case, but the, for my final soundbite from that storyline, there's some strategy between Shirley and Tara, but it's overheard by Alan. Come on, Terry, you slept with the man. You've got to give me some insight. Slept with what man? Oh. Opposing counsel is uh, someone I used to date. I thought I told you. I think you didn't. Really? Probably because he's an old boyfriend who didn't mean anything then and still doesn't. I thought I told you. I think you didn't. I have to say, some of the message boards, some of the women are are completely drawn into that face that Alan has at that moment when he says, I think you didn't. It's kind of that, well, he had that kind of look of pride, but... Uh, vulnerability that you do not you do not see with Alan Shore very often. I think the one thing, one of the few things he will be genuinely worried about is losing her, and we'll see where that goes in the future. But the whole "I thought I did" excuse has been used time and time again, and I think he sees right through it. Yeah, that's true. He, he's not. He's calling her on it. Yeah, he's not buying the "I thought I told you." But he's not quite there to to let in front of Shirley and everybody, you know, to actually say that he doesn't. Prove of that, right? He's not going to confront her, but no. but it's like the "you smell good" scene. I mean, it's very touching, isn't it? It is. He can't quite show his vulnerability, but it's there. Yeah. He wraps it up in metaphor. The metaphor. Oh, I love metaphors. Um, we are actually. I think we'll leave that one till next week. We'll move on to the final storyline. This is the one that they. Pre- I presume they filmed more recently, and actually is lacking very much very much any kind of interaction from the old crew of Boston Legal. You know, this it is seemed like a whole new team. This is now Denise Bauer, played by 
Why don't you introduce us to the three characters, the main characters? Well, we have Denise Bauer, played by the lovely Julie Bowen, whom you might know from, I believe she was on Ed a few years back, and she's also recently had a stint on another show that I love, <laughs> Lost. She played the main character, Jack's wife, in Flashback. And she's actually and still going to be in an upcoming scene? I believe she will be in the show, but not as much, since now she is a regular on Boston Legal. And she did say back in July during that TCA tour that she they flew her off to Hawaii to film something, right? So there's right. Well, she a little was bit. just on the season premiere, oh, the she season was. premiere of Lost, so that could have been that. And then we also have two other characters, two young, some young blood on the show, uh, working as junior associates under Denise. Right. Um, Garrett sorry, Wells. Oh, I'm, Garrett oh, Wells, I was going to rescue Justin Mentel. <laughs> yes. And then we have Sarah, what's her last name? Holt. Sarah Holt by Ryan Michelle Bath or Bath? Bath? I'd like to hear that said because I'm not quite sure. I would sure. too because there's an E at the end. Yeah. And she didn't do much. Garrett did. She didn't. I expect we'll see more from them in the future. Oh, and I just want to, now you mentioned Julie Bowen. She's going to be on, no, next week. I think it's like October 7th. She's going to be on Last Call with our Carson Daly interview. Okay. And it's interesting, you know, where she appears in the credits is actually Second. second. Yes. What is that? Place of respect for, for the new actress. That's incredible. It starts it with is. Alan Shore. Then it's Julie Bowen. Bowen. I know. Bowen. And then your favorite. Mark Valley. Of course. And then we go through Garrett. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin Mintel. <laughs> right. Ryan. Ryan. And then. Oh, Paul. Oh, no. Paul. Paul. Paul's first. Oh, there Renee. I go again. That would be Renee Abajouin. I'm not even going to try. Okay. Last name. He's actually right after Mark. Okay. Odo. Odo. <laughs> And then, of course, the ubiquitous sort of the little with. With. Well, then, you know, you've got to afford the respect to Candace Bergen and William Shatner, the, you know, respectively matriarch and patriarch of the show. That's right. I still don't understand the with concept because, you know, keeping them at the end. I understand it's a concession. Not everybody can be first, but it just it doesn't seem right. They should have billing right up at the top, I think. I suppose. But anyway. They say it's. The next best thing to being first is being last, though. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's what everybody remembers as you go on to the next scene or the commercial break. Exactly. Yeah. And William Shatner. I guess I read one review where they said that this storyline is pretty much dominated by Garrett's longing looks after Denise. Yes. He has a little case of puppy love. Yes, he does. He's young. Yeah, and boy, he likes she's her. she's not giving him an inch. No, she is. Well, she's still got issues with her husband, Tim. What? Played by I don't know. Sean Christian. Oh, wow. Who was a series regular on the ill-fated, I believe it was canceled, WB Summerland. Was he major role there? He was. He was pretty much the male lead uh, alongside, uh, what's her name? The woman from Full House. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, yes. The the one that played bl- the girlfriend of <laughs> Blackie, which I can't think of his real name. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, we, we fumble him. our way through. But the, the important thing is you and I know what we're talking about. Yes, we do. Everybody else Sometimes. can think about it. About half the time. If you put it together, that's all the time. <laughs> that's all the time. Everybody else go to IMDb. Just check it out there. You can find him. Yeah, he'll be there. <laughs> I love these. Anytime those pop in your head, just share the six of degrees. Course. All right, well, let's just hear Garrett talk a little bit about his infatuation. You think she's hot for you? I didn't say hot. I said interested. You're delusional. First of all, she made it a point to tell me how she was long over her husband. And second, <laughs> she gave me the look. What look? The look that you can't describe, but you know when you get it. Get what? The look. Two associate total? Someone better be getting billed. 
<laughs> that was Julie. That was Denise coming in at the end. She didn't overheard. You know. Yes, she the has. That seems to be a recurring theme in this show. Eavesdropping. Yes, <laughs> you got to get some device in there so that people yes. can react to each other, or maybe doors that aren't so thin. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, this, the case itself is actually involving um, religion in the workplace, and an employer who is being represented by Cranepool and Schmidt is accused of having, I guess, Bible study, Christian-oriented Bible studies in the workplace, and a, and a Jewish employee actually left or was fired, I can't remember, because he did not, well, he couldn't tolerate that because it seemed, obviously. I believe that was the argument. Was did he, I think he said he left of his own accord, but, you know, his representation is going to argue that he was forced out because of the pro-Christian atmosphere yeah. he was in. And Denise, being, of course, of just going kind of a little preoccupied mentally with this whole husband, ex-husband situation, which yeah. I think I read somewhere he's a golf ex-golf pro or golf pro that you know actually has to serve her papers to get a divorce so he can get some kind of alimony because he's on financially hard times. Oh, Interesting right. little background. We'll there. see. We'll see. I know. I shouldn't. I should always be careful about spoilers. Little taste of little taste of the next episode, right? Yeah, there. that's right. You heard it here first. So in the course of, I think it was it a was it a settlement meeting or they were talking about where if they, they could were reach. discussing you know charges and yeah. I think it might have been settlement too as well. Yeah. They were kind of exploring that possibility. So it was with the two opposing sides, right? And Denise was having kind of a, a hard time, sort of staying focused on this. So young Buck Garrett jumps in and steps up to the plate and this was not the first time he did it we're not going to hear about the first time the first time he kind of got dressed down quite handily by denise, denise yeah. but uh, this time and she said never speak again you know she's a very type a personality i don't think she liked being usurped like that no not at all by a young guy and but then of course the second time around she yields the floor to him well she she's kind of caught by opposing counsel doesn't really know what to say he jumps in and she reluctantly gives him the floor Remember, we're the country that likes to root it out. This isn't the time to be anti-American. Do I really need to say that? Actually, the American government tells us to be quite open with our religion, especially the Christian kind. Does it now? Jimmy Carter was a born-again Christian. Ronald Reagan said his favorite book was the Bible. May I? May I? Please. We are guided by a power larger than ourselves. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We worship an awesome God. I just want to do God's will. We are on God's side. When you turn your heart and your life... I say a prayer before I pitch. ...over to Christ. God knows the truth. When you accept Christ as a Savior... In a man's heart... ...it changes your heart. What does the Lord require of thee? My friends, together we can do this. And to walk... Do it we must. Humbly... So help me God. With thy God. I did not have sexual relations with that woman oops how is this relevant it's relevant because the open notorious celebration of christianity has never been more popular we have an evangelical president john ashcroft was a former preacher condoleezza rice was once a bible teacher the air force academy has basically established evangelical christianity as its official religion the football coach there put up a banner that says team jesus christ have you checked the pulse of this country lately how is this relevant I just told you, it's evolution out, creationism in. We are a Christian nation. He's making me repeat myself. (laughs) And with the eroding values in our country, with high school kids turning to drugs, not to mention oral sex, with our star athletes doped up on steroids or committing sexual assaults, with the Enrons and Worldcoms stealing from their investors, 
What is wrong with today's business leaders trying to introduce a little spirituality into the workplace? One nation under God. One nation under God. One standard under God. One people under God. For the children of God. The Lord is my life. I have uh, accepted Christ. God. Praise to my Lord and Savior. God. Jesus Christ. And Christ Jesus. With God. God. Through Christ. God bless Christ. God. Jesus. God. 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 I did not have sexual. (laughs) (laughs) We are a Christian nation, Mr. Cohn. When Martin Luther King said, free at last, it was God Almighty, free at last. This is who we are. We are a Christian nation, and this, this is our time. Whoa, that was moving. This is our time. Failed to see how it's relevant to the case, but it was definitely powerful. Now, isn't that a, a legal maneuver? Is just oh, it basically definitely is. Grandstand yourself, or as, as Sarah has told him, you're filibustering, but... It was moving, and I think that obviously will affect them. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. I love seeing Al Sharpton again. I know. Isn't that great? He popped in. Now, anybody who didn't see the episode, you should actually know this. And you can actually go to boston-legal.org, that little website, and watch the video of that sequence. But that was was a video montage that I don't know how Garrett had time to put that together. (laughs) He stayed up all night. Isn't he dedicated? He is. He likes Denise. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and on the off chat, what if she said no? Because he asked, may I? May I show this? He asked her twice. Yes, he did. You know, and she well, he knew it. she was cornered. I'm just waiting for him to pass her a little, I don't know, a little on the yellow legal pad, a little, <laughs> do you like me? Check yes or no. I'm waiting for it. It's coming. That's good. I, and if we see that, I'll know that David E. Kelly listened to this podcast and, and you know, borrowed, that from, borrowed that from Kyle. You heard it here first. <laughs> the Abney. Uh, I really liked actually seeing John Kerry again. I was one of those <laughs> crazy people that actually taped all of his uh, speeches and everything and put it on a DVD so I could replay it, you know. If I were 18, I would have voted for him. Let me just say that. Oh, oh you're under 18? Yeah, I'm only 16. Oh, my God. You don't mind mentioning that? No, of course not. Are you all impressed? Listen to this. Kyle is, is 16. That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> so smart for that age. Well, you know, actually that age, everything is, is oh, okay, I'll stop talking about your smartness. <laughs> I already know that you're great. Thank you. I'm <laughs> flattered. This sequence, actually, I did I mention this? I got an email from someone that really wanted to use it in a class presentation. They were so impressed that they asked <laughs> if I could somehow provide it for them. I said, no. That's probably against the rules. And I think so. I mean, I think... We don't, we don't break rules here. We actually may be walking, dancing around that line of ethics right now by playing such a long clip from that show. But, you know, cease and desist letters can be sent to (laughs) somewhere else. Maybe I should be using a fake name. (laughs) No, you have no, I don't think you're a collaborator. Accessory. Accessory to the crime. I'm an accessory. (laughs) You're just a, a voice, right? Uh, any other comments right now on that particular case? And we're going to move to the famous balcony scene here in a moment. I think we wrap that one up. But like I said, we'll see these three again next week. Team Jesus Christ and oral sex said in the same breath. I cannot believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It was great. Well, as you know, every episode has now ended with the famous balcony scene. Right. For the longest time, I had a hard time because, you know, was it a balcony? Was it a patio? Was it a... You know, what was it? But anyway, I think we've determined balcony. It is definitely balcony. Yeah, okay. And I thought this was interesting. The chairs, actually my husband pointed this out, random things like this. Attention to detail. The chairs were further apart, turned toward each other, as opposed to last season when they generally were, you know, side by side, 
facing straightforward. out straightforward set designer i know that I was know. probably a decision it's a little little hint to the the growing relationship between our two male leads here. Well, growing or disintegrating i mean it's interesting because if it, if they're further apart but they're turned towards each other well okay they are the cutest couple on tv i think i would have to i would have to give you that one and you know i think we have already promises of them snuggling in bed together in finding nemo upcoming episode interesting i know they wake up in bed together but you know no slash here this is a no slash zone so. <laughs> Not that you would know what that meant. I know what Slash is. Slash I figured. <laughs> oh, you are. Okay. Now, this is platonic, I'm sure. Of course. Okay. Well, let's hear what uh, part of that balcony scene. Savor it, my friend. Sorry? This case. The noise, the juice, the circus. Savor it. She didn't do it. What? She didn't kill her husband. She's innocent. Really? Well, that's good. Makes her less interesting, but that's... That's good. It's also pressure, Dunny. We've got an innocent client. Denny, the juice, the circus. <laughs> he does He's like great. the show, doesn't he? <laughs> you know? He likes to drop in his little his little analogies every now and then. Yeah, that's good. What do you think about that? What do you think that's setting up? Because as the scene ended, it said to be continued, which I think is a first. I yeah. think it was. I in think you're right. I think it's interesting that he's telling Alan to savor it because we've always had hints that Denny does at times feel like he's past his prime, even though he won't admit it. You know, outwardly, he mm-hmm. always claims he's still the young, hotshot lawyer mm-hmm. he once was. I think, I don't know, I think maybe either I'm right and and Alan is right to believe in her innocence, or you're right and he is going to get burnt like he did with Bernie. We will see. And, and if he has to get burnt with the Tara Wilson situation, will we see... Alan melting down at some point. That would be fun to see. That would be fun to see, but, you know, it would be a very private moment. I don't think he would... I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe there is something to look forward to in that scene. Definitely. Brad will step up and fill the void. Uh I want to see Brad out there on that balcony, man. With who? With Denny. With Denny. I'm sure that 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 was their tradition. Well, of course, before Alan came and joined the farm. Yeah. And now Brad's been pushed out. I would love to see Brad and Alan together. We're not talking Slash here. (laughs) <laughs> we are not talking slash here. Do not take the word together out of context. <laughs> together on the balcony, not together the way we plan on seeing Denny and Alan in the future. If ABC and its wisdom lets Boston Legal run through after October, there is, a, I think, the most recent show summary that I think, well, I think maybe the October 25 one has them back together on a case, Alan and, and Brad. I think it's always some of the most interesting writing you can do on a, on a television series is to have enemies that have to work together. Yeah. And Brad and Alan, they have this amazing chemistry. I think 
if they were maybe to find some common ground and not be so antagonistic towards each other, they could actually be a very dynamic legal duo. Well, you need conflict. Everybody can't just love Alan. you know. Right, of course. Yeah. You need some conflict. And Paul, you know, I think Paul is... That's what he's there for. ...popped in and did that a little bit, but I think it's more amusing well, And the clip in the recap from the beginning of this episode where he's really, really ripping into Alan, I mm-hmm. think we need to see more of that. I love the office politics of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. And I wonder what whatever happened to Edwin Poole. Yeah, he wasn't actually, even though he's credited in continuing, he wasn't in this episode. I bet you that's what ended up on the cutting room floor when they had Probably. to bring in the new storyline. Do you, have you prepared for us... The good, the bad, and the ugly? The good, the bad, and the ugly. I have a little skeleton from my review, which I should have written, emailed to you, Dana, and probably posted on boston-legal.org sometime this weekend. Excellent. I'll leave you with the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. First and foremost, the good. I always like to start off with the good. One of the things I thought was just really great, always after a show has been gone for a long time, I love to see it come back strong. And it was just really great to see the whole cast back on my television screen again, even though some changes have been made. You know, we got Rona and Monica Potter, both of them, special appearance, no longer regular cast members. That made me a little bit sad. But it was just good to see the offices of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt back on my television screen again, especially after what the network did to them last year following the success of Grey's Anatomy. It shows me that ABC is going to follow up on their word. Of the new cast additions, I think Denise is the most promising. She has interesting interaction with at least Garrett, but I'd love to see her with the standing members of the cast from the past, you know, I think Brad or Alan or even Denny or Shirley, all of them have potential for interaction with Denise. The other two, I'm on the fence about. I'm not sure about Gary's Garrett's little puppy love thing he's got going for her, and, and uh, Sarah didn't really show me much this, this episode, so right now, can't really make a decision about either of them. This, the last thing I'd want to mention in the good would be this this episode was bookended in two great scenes with uh, Alan and Denny. Opening with them walking down the street with the sunglasses, closing with them sitting on the balcony with the cigars. These two men are the two like most talented actors on TV right now, as the Emmys have just recognized. I could be more happier to have them on my television screen every week. Moving on, the bad. Some, a lot of times people mistake this category as things that I don't like, and sometimes that's true, but a lot of times I'll also put things in here that were just bad, but in a good way, like Heather Locklear. She was just deliciously wicked. I love her. I love her in this role. Very tasty. <laughs> and I love that uh, Denny is so obsessed with her. I just think it's great. And while I am wary of the cast changes, especially the major ones with, you know, like I've said for cast emotions and, and new members and new members of Crane Pool and Schmidt, new associates introduced. I think that if it's if the writing continues the way it has, I think we can only expect good things. And the one more thing I'd like to mention in the bad would be the cello scene, which was hilarious, but I still I mean I've said it a few times on this podcast, I still think sign language is a bit more realistic. But then again, like I said, then we wouldn't be watching the show by David E. Kelly. So Last but not least, The Ugly. Uh, We may not have seen them, but I'm sure whatever photos Kelly Nolan's neighbor, Willis Berger, was posting to the internet were not things that we would have wanted to see. And uh, I'm also going to put here the environment that the boss put that forced, that quote-unquote forced the Jewish worker out, the pro-Christian workplace, 
bike derricks work to justify it in this quote unquote Christian America. I I don't it just didn't seem like a very American thing for me to do, even though he's trying to impose you know morality into his workers. I don't think that's his place. So I put that under the ugly too. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. So that's me: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thanks for listening. Just classic. Just classic. I love that. To actually follow up on that last comment of the ugly, the Jewish person, probably within an hour of the episode ending, I got an email from a website visitor who titled it subject line anti-Semitic and then basically dressed down the whole uh, David e. Kelly's hiring someone that looked Jew with h- hooked nose. I mean, and yeah. thought that that was, that was offensive that was to her. Yeah. I guess they're just trying to convey. Oh, yeah. I just said, you know, it's it's obviously you have to convey things with images. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. In what, TV. You know, what, yeah. But, You're not going to get a six foot five African American to play your your yeah. Jewish person who was forced out. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I look forward to the whole review. I can't wait to read it, and I'll be looking forward. And everybody else, come visit Boston-Legal.org. And yes, please read. read. And if you have any comments, you can email me at alias Abney. That's A L I A S A B N E Y at hotmail dot com. Send me anything you think about what I write, what I say. I can take it. If you didn't like it, let me know. If you loved it, let me know. I want to hear. All right. Be ready for all the emails. Uh, let's I'll actually talk a little bit about, just really briefly, let's get people excited for next week's episode. Do you want to try and say this name? The, it the... is. I have a little history in German. It oh. is Schadenfreude. Would you tell us what that means? And, and It means delight in another person's misfortune. They actually had a little mention of it in an episode of Two and a Half Men with um, the character of Rose, who you know is a little loopy for anyone who watches that show. Schadenfreude means someone who takes pleasure in someone else's misfortune. So that's what we can be looking forward to in the next episode. And how wonder how that translates and which scene that translates. Is that going to be regarding the Black Widow? Well, we'll just have to see, I guess. We will see. And, and anyone who speaks German, if, I, if I've actually butchered the pronunciation, please let me know. I don't actually speak German. I just, my father took a little bit of it. We'll see. I might have said it wrong. Oh, no. I think it's Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. That's nice. Okay, good. I love his titles that he puts on his shows. I do, too. Let's listen to a soundbite. Next in Boston Legal. You didn't kill him. I absolutely did not kill him. Her testimony was chilling, flat affect, no emotion. What was I supposed to do, cry? That might be a start. And let me tell you something. If you don't come off as human in the cross-examination, you're done. I just caught Tara laughing with another man. Are you sure they weren't just kissing or something? I'm going to lose the girl and the case all in the same week. It was very empowering. Taking a life, it's godlike. You seriously don't think you'd ever kill again? Of course not. Whoa. Uh-oh. Bernie? Bernie. It was very empowering, almost godlike, to take a life. Wow. He gets a little high when he's uh, committing skillet murder. I know. And Brad got bad. Brad yes, got mad did. at Kelly Nolan. Yes, you don't start well. showing emotion, <laughs> you're done. Well, he was showing plenty enough for the both of them. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, this man doesn't show emotion. And then Alan is, is confessing to Denny that he could lose the girl in the case all in one week. Yes, he could. Wow. Any other things you want to summarize? Any other storylines that didn't pop out in that little quick preview? Well, I'm looking at the uh, summary. It's right here in front of me. Um, we touched on the Black Widow's case moving forward, obviously, to be continued with this episode. But we're going to be moving forward also with Denise's story, who is it says, intent on avoiding alimony payment to her soon-to-be ex-husband. And, of course, she's going to be enlist- enlisting the help of the two new characters, Garrett Wells and Sarah Holt. So uh, she- it says, to challenge the constitutionality of no-fault divorce. So I'm looking forward to more there and maybe even seeing 
our two or three newest lawyers, perhaps, in court. And also, we're going to be continuing with Rupert Everett's story, obviously playing Malcolm Holmes, Tara's old flame. He is, She is, quote-unquote, desperately trying to avoid his charming advances. I don't know how hard she's been working at doing that with going to dinner with him, but we will see how that goes forward into the next episode, Shout Bright. And it's interesting because that they, he's on to another case with her, or I guess, I don't know if they're opposing or not, and true to David E. Kelly's style of integrating music and theme songs, right? Right. Uh, we're we're going to be treated to a storyline involving the song War. Everybody remembers that? And I guess they what actual... What is it good for? What is it good for? Ooh, very... Ooh, I just love it when he brings in current events and makes sarcastic, or, you know, satire about it. Of course. That's great. Although it also says here that the character's name will, will be... Johnny Damon. Do you know the significance oh, of that? Oh, Red Sox. Red Sox. Oh. Okay, there you go again. David oh, Kelly wonderful. loves his Red Sox. Oh, that's wonderful. I bet you they'll be making references to that. Of course. I do. I've never heard anybody mention that. Good. Good, Kyle. Kyle's on top of his pop culture. I am. I try to be. Well, everybody watch that episode of, say the name, the title? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. October 4. Tuesdays at 10. Don't tune in on Sundays unless you're going to watch Grey's Anatomy. You should know this by now. Tuesdays at 10. Call your friends, everybody. Watch this show. We want the. Ra- if you're a Nielsen family, you have to watch it. Yes, please. And even if you don't, say you do. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Little white lie. lie never hurt anybody. Never. Never. Yeah. And um, actually, October 4, when it airs, is my birthday. So I, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to eat out. I'm not going to go on any kind of little birthday celebration. I'm going to be in front of my television watching. Happy early birthday to you. Thank you very much. Kyle, what do you think about your first podcast for Boston Legal? It's a great experience. I'm really happy to be doing it, and I hope to do it many more times. Oh, you have the spark. I know that um, my husband, Rob, was pinch-hitting for you for the first few episodes, or actually the first two podcasts we did, and um, I think he's going to be very pleased that he has such a worthy successor. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you for (laughs) all your help for rooting me out, from digging me up out of my hole. I know it was probably hard to find me after TV Tome. You know, bit the dust. I had to Google you, and then that wasn't leading results. And I looked into the cache, you know, copies of TV Tom, and I found you. There I was. And then I found that I had sent you an email a year ago. I just found this. It's still in my outbasket. I sent you an email praising one of your reviews ages ago. Did I write it back? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I tried to. You did write me back. And and I think I was talking about all this sort of role-playing Boston legal that we do and beyond the scripts. I I do remember that email. I do. (laughs) So we've actually I think you wanted me to come join you, but I really just didn't have the time to do it at the time. Yeah, you're always welcome to come join you. We We need some more characters in there. I'll think about it. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate that, downloading this podcast, and keep coming back every week. We'll be sometime in the few days following the episode. We'll have more for you. Um, Boston Legal Here and Now is brought to you by Forest Green Studios and the unofficial website, boston-legal.org. Definitely check out jamesspader.org, also run by me. And and in the very preliminary works, mark-valley.org. You knew that was coming, of course. Of course. Just a very few things there. And we want to end on this. Uh, anybody who's listening from the Raleigh Studios, the Boston Legal, David E. Kelly Production offices, and I know you are, definitely send us an anonymous email with some scoop. We want to hear about it, and we'll report it. Anything we can do to help you guys, we just want to be supportive. Right, Kyle? Right, of course. All we want to do is support the show, keep That's it alive, for. be another voice to the viewing community. Anybody can write us at, why don't you tell us our email address, Kyle? bostonillegal at gmail.com. And would you mind reading the phone number? The phone number is 1-800-986-8290, and that's toll-free in the United States. 
Thank you very much once again, Kyle. And until next week, we'll do it again. Shout bright. It's fun to see pretty people fall. I realize attorneys in Massachusetts are fond of sarcasm. You should know, I spent most of my years on the bench in Los Angeles, and if a lawyer talks back to a judge in Los Angeles... He's shot, probably on the freeway. Move it.